0: Hey St. John, welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deacon Estelia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey y'all. Hey Pastor, guess what? Holy Week is next week.
1: Yes, it is.
0: How excited are you?
1: I'm definitely excited. Uh, It's hard to believe it's here, even though it's late Easter.
0: Well, today we're going to be discussing the sermon from Wednesday. This is our last Wednesday service during the season of Lent. What was the judge that the text was on?
1: Yeah, we focused on uh, Samson, who was the last judge listed in the whole book.
0: And you included the whole story of Samson. Can you elaborate a little bit on this for us?
1: Yeah, we read its chapters 13 to 16. And one thing we did with the judges all throughout the season of Lent is to read their whole narratives. I think a lot of the times we hit the highlights or especially the hero moments of the judges and we wanted to show the full nature of their characters, the, the depravity, their their vices. Uh, as much as we remember these judges and Scripture remembers them, they're people who need grace and forgiveness as well. They're, they are people who are not put together either, and there is an incompleteness even amongst the judges that they need a Savior too. So, Deaconess, what stuck out to you in the sermon from Wednesday?
0: I really liked it when you compared... The story of Samson or certain elements of Samson's story to the Christmas story, especially with John the Baptist and his parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and then Samson's parents, and how this whole scene was really similar to what we hear around Christmas.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of the interesting things about Samson is how the events of his birth, um, his parentage, it has a lot of echoes To the story of the nativity of John the Baptist. Manoah is is the father and his wife was barren. An angel of the Lord appears to them, excuse me, the angel of the Lord appears to them and tells them that they will have a son. And you have all this back and forth. I, I played off of the how Manoah wants to kind of challenge this angel and question him, and how Zechariah is doubting in the temple, and yet he, you know, he doesn't get to talk for the rest of the pregnancy. And it's neat to see some of these connections here, and especially the, the Nazarite stuff, how uh, Samson would be raised according to the custom of the Nazarites, and there's certain stipulations there about wine and not cutting your hair, and, and John echoes these things as well, too. So it's neat to see the, the comparison of the two.
0: And even with entertaining... They both are similar. With that, yeah, yeah. I which was, trying was towards the end of the story, but...
1: Yeah, so it was me just trying to look for some more connections, and I realized, oh yeah, they're both imprisoned. Uh, they both fulfill entertainment in some ways. You know, John with Herod or Samson with the Philistines. What I like, too, is how John, he's he's the forerunner. You know, he is the the greatest among the prophets, Jesus says. You know, John is the last of the Old Testament prophets before Christ and is preparing the way. And Samson being the last judge in how the book ends longing for a king in those days there was no king in israel and just as samson's last judge prepares us for the king which will come in the books of samuel john the baptist is preparing us for the king jesus for the messiah himself
0: you mentioned a little bit earlier about the angel of the lord this was actually a here submitted question who is the angel of the lord
1: at times in the old testament you'll have an angel of the lord with the indefinite article and other times you'll have the angel of the Lord with the definite article. And in those references, when it's the angel of the Lord, uh, some have wondered, is this the working of the pre-incarnate Christ, right? The second person of the Trinity at work. And a lot of people say, yeah, absolutely. That this is uh, the second person, in the Trinity, the son is at work. And you see these things here. I love the, the reference when Manoah is talking to the angel of the Lord and asks the name of the angel, and the, name, the angel's like, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? And I played off that saying, well, almost as if he was about to say he, his name was Wonderful Counselor, thinking about the Isaiah prophecy. Or when Manoah offers a burnt offering, the angel of the Lord says, no, 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 don't direct it towards me, direct it towards Yahweh. And I think of how Christ so often directs direction and praise and worship and recognition to his Father. And so we see this interplay within the Trinity. And so when you look throughout the Old Testament, it's like 46 times the angel of the Lord is brought up, and it's at really key moments in the story of salvation. A great one would be Abraham and Isaac, where before Abraham sacrifices his son, the angel of the Lord calls out to him and provides a substitute. And one day, the second person, the Trinity, the Son of God, will be that substitute, ultimately, on the cross. And so it's neat to see the angel of the Lord and...
0: Yeah, it's really cool to have those Trinitarian references throughout scripture. Okay, so back to your sermon. What was the problem that your sermon sought to identify?
1: The problem the sermon sought to identify is that there is a need for resolution. There is a need for the stability that a king would bring. The book of Judges ends. You have all these judges and one judge after another, and things are still getting worse and worse and worse. In the final chapters, there is no judge In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was evil in his own eyes. I mean, that's how the book ends. And we think in our lives that there is little stability. There is need for resolution and how we long for the king. We long for King Jesus too. And so think about how the judges in their initial longing for a king in Israel, you head into the book of Samuel, which is where God provides a king for the people I went right away into how the story of Samson reminds us of the story of Christmas. And I said how the story of Christmas answers our desperate longing for a king. And, that, and that's a lot of what the book is dealing with, is our longing for a king, our longing for someone to put the world to rights, our longing for someone to not let everyone do what's right in his own eyes. And so as it, it the book kind of ends hanging and longing for resolution, that, that's kind of what I was dealing with in the sermon.
0: So then can you give us the resolution, which I'm assuming is what you were doing when you brought the gospel into it. Right. How did you get to Jesus?
1: Right. So in in the story of Scripture, the resolution for the time of the judges is, yeah, they get a king. Book of Samuel, you get King Saul, then King David, and so on. For us, ultimately, you have the son of David on the throne. You have Christ himself. And the connection is, uh, you know, he's born on Christmas, I mean, so we get the nice connection there with Samson and the Christmas story. But when does Jesus become king? When is he crowned? When is he enthroned? Well, it's the events of Holy Week, and they're all subversive. They're all not what we would expect, not crowned with jewels, but with thorns, not a royal majestic throne, but a roughly hewn cross. King Jesus is not attended by this uh, royal guard and and soldiers to protect him. No, the soldiers there are putting him to death. His attendants on his right and his left are thieves. The way that God saves is not how we would expect. And a big theme in Scripture, maybe a good thing to consider with the book of Judges, is how God will say, my ways are not your ways. Things are not going to go the way that we would expect. They're going to go on God's terms and God's ways. And part of that is uh, our king reigns as a dead God on a cross.
0: That's interesting. Even the people that God chooses to work through would not be the people we would choose to right. work through. I mean, Samson's a perfect example of that. We read the story and you see his sins and his failures pretty obviously, right?
1: Yeah. And again, that's why we wanted to read all of the account of a judge because we like to read the hero highlights. But when you get the full story of Samson, we should be kind of disturbed and very uneasy with him yeah Uh, we get this with a lot of the judges and will there be anyone that we can fully put our trust in is there anyone who is worthy of that only christ
0: something else i wanted to point out that you talked about was well you titled the sermon foggy remind me foggy
1: a foggy memory
0: a foggy memory you talked about book six of the harry potter series and a particular part that you thought made a really good connection with the Samson story. Can you tell us about that right now?
1: Harry Potter, book six, it's the half-blood prince, and the characters are interacting with a memory. The memory's been corrupted, and it's it's foggy. The dialogue's been dubbed over. It is cutting around like a poorly edited video, and the book of the Harry Potter series is looking to recover that full story and memory. And that's what I, I thought of with thinking about Samson's birth and the story of of the angel of the Lord coming to Manoah and his wife and and the barrenness of his wife and how she'll give birth. And you have all these kind of echoes of this Christmas story. Samson is reminding us to look ahead to the story of Christ. And so much of scripture is that theme of looking ahead to when God actually takes away all the shadow and all the fog and all the obscurity. Now he's fully revealed.
0: When he fulfills the promises that he made in Samson's time, in the Old Testament, right, right,
1: right, yeah, and so it's just God makes everything known in the incarnation of His Son Jesus. God makes everything known in His Son crucified on the cross, in His Son risen from the dead. Uh, that's even why the Angel of the Lord references in the Old Testament. Uh, some people might feel a little uneasy about that because, yeah, it still is mysterious. There is still a shroud in play because God fully reveals Himself in the incarnate Son jesus
0: that is really interesting i guess i never thought of it that way but you do hear the angel of the lord and why didn't scripture just say pre-incarnate christ but i guess that goes with what you were saying
1: yeah yeah and that this is it is you know it's at christmas it is at good friday it's at easter god makes known the mystery and it's it's a big theme for paul is in these last days God has made known the mystery of his son. And he's revealed it not only to Jew, but to Gentile as well. This is the good news for the whole world. All the pieces fall into place that have been you know, laid out. The, the breadcrumbs are there. The clues and hints are there. And now that the Christ event has happened, now we see the Old Testament in a whole new light. And, ah, it's there all along. God is consistent in his work to save us.
0: And it's no longer foggy right? or shrouded in mystery. right? We can now fully understand it through Christ.
1: Yeah and we can say with absolute certainty, God loves you. Why? We look at Christ on the cross. God's forgiven your sins. How do I know? There's Christ on the cross. Death doesn't get to win. How do I know? Christ is risen from the dead. If he's risen, so will we be.
0: Tell me about the placement of the sermon within the church year.
1: So it's the last Wednesday of Lent. You know, Holy Week's around the corner. Holy Week gets a lot of focus and attention. But this sermon comes at the end of a sermon series on the judges, and so I was thinking about that. You know, I I got to preach on Ash Wednesday, which was the opening to the whole uh, sermon series for our Wednesdays, and thinking about there's two things, that our sin is really that bad, and the other thing to remember is that God keeps his promises. In all subsequent weeks, we have seen those two things come true. Our sin is really that bad, and God keeps his promise, and despite the character and quality of the judge, despite the character and quality of the people, God keeps acting to preserve his people. And so that's been a constant theme. So trying to bring that to a close, knowing that we won't read the whole book of Judges, there's still five chapters remaining, so we kind of leave the book hanging. And so I had to think about that, but also Holy Week's next week. And so all those realities had to kind of come together in, in that brief Wednesday sermon.
0: So then how did you intend to benefit us, your hearers, in our, our faith and life?
1: My intent was to direct us towards next week with Holy Week and, and the assuredness of it, that there is no obscurity, there's no fog, there's no question what happened on the first Holy Week, right? The, the angel of the Lord, right? The Son of God, the second person, the Trinity, the incarnate God, he died for you. He rose for you. There is no obscurity there. He is king. And he reigns. He's
0: no longer the pre-incarnate God. He's right. He's incarnate. And yeah.
1: forever will be. And forever right. will he, be, yeah. yeah. He's, he never has discarded his body. And while the book of Judges ends with not, I mean, it, it just ends in just despair. There is no resolution. There is no putting back to things and you know, putting things back in order. So much of our lives are this way as well. Christ is the one who provides order. Christ is the one who will set the world to rights he's the king. And to have that confidence, even in the midst of Lent 5, having that confidence today in the midst of evil and sin, that's that was the goal of the sermon.
0: Well, I'm really looking forward to Holy Week and the the sermons and, and preaching that will speak to this incarnate Christ and what he's come to do for all of us.
1: Yeah. And I, and I would just encourage uh, the congregation to, to be there for the services. And and one thing to look for every year in Holy Week is how much scripture we read. Maybe have been a little bit surprised by how long the readings have been on our Wednesdays, you know, through the judges. We read a ton of scripture in Holy Week because the story is worth hearing in full, in detail, with no obscurity. And that's that's one of the things I love about Holy Week is we the church slows down to read the whole thing again.
0: And it makes a difference getting to read the whole story. I was just thinking with the book of Judges, how many people I've talked to who, like me, didn't remember so many aspects of the stories of these Judges, and to be able to hear all of it has really made a difference.
1: Right. And so especially uh, this year, we'll be looking at the passion of Jesus through Luke's account, and I would encourage you all to pay attention to that and see how, how Luke brings us to the cross and to behold our crucified God. And how Luke will take us to the empty tomb when we hear the good news that he's not here, he's risen.
0: So I have a question for you then. Have you written your sermons yet for Holy Week?
1: Uh, not yet. Uh, I'm up for a Good Friday and Easter. I have some ideas in mind, and I just got to take the time to write them. I know Vicar James is working on Palm Sunday as we speak, and he's got Monday, Thursday as well.
0: And we plan to have podcast episodes for each of these sermons too. We,
1: we do, and so we're just going to you know multiply our efforts in, in Holy Week. So hopefully, you'll find the podcast a uh, worthwhile during this. And I am looking forward to the post sermon podcast being a weekly venture on the other side yeah. of the Holy Week. Yeah.
0: This wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to our discussion. In case you missed the sermon or when to listen to it again, the link to it is in the show notes. You can also find the sermon on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org, or if you'd prefer to text a question, please text the phone number found in the show notes. Thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the Word this week.
1: Yeah, glad to, and uh, blessings, everyone, as we uh, journey through Holy Week together.
0: All right, take care. Bye.
1: Bye.